Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Awesome. I'm super excited to, to be here with you guys today. We're starting a brand new series. We are, it's called Stand Firm. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, a few different characters in uh, the Bible who... Uh, stood firm in the way of Jesus, or stood firm in the, in the way of God in the midst of challenging circumstances. And I think this is an appropriate message for us at, at, at this time, right? Because this world is an interesting place, and we need to stand firm in the gospel, right? We need to stand firm in the way of Jesus, and so we're going to just look at some, some examples of, of that. Today we're going to talk about this amazing guy whose name is Isaiah. And Isaiah is maybe one of the most important books. Of, well, I guess you could say that anytime you're teaching about a book in the Bible, you could probably say this is one of the most important ones. But the, 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 the prophetic book of Isaiah, some people actually call it the fifth gospel, right? Because it is so commonly quoted throughout the New Testament, and the, uh, the, the prophecies in it, which the, the New Testament authors directly related to finding their ultimate fulfillment in Jesus Christ, right? We can look at uh, chapter 52 and 53, the, the, the great uh, teaching on the, the suffering servant and how we find that uh, fulfilled in Jesus. And it's just over and over and over again in the book of Isaiah, these illusions that find their fulfillment in Jesus. But we don't have time to look at all 66 chapters of Isaiah this morning. No, it's a bummer. Uh, but uh, what we do want to look at is, I'm very, very I'm excited about this one. Uh, we're going to look at chapter 6, which is Isaiah's commission or his calling. And then we're going to look at chapter 7, which is kind of his first prophetic proclamation right after that commissioning or that calling. So we're going to start in Isaiah chapter 6. And this may be familiar to, to some of you, um, but we're just going to, to read it through here. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. And with two, they covered their feet, and with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, 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 holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Isaiah cries out, Woe to me! I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So Isaiah has this incredible encounter with the living God. 
And I don't know if he was transported to heaven. I don't know if this is an open vision. I don't know if this is a dream. But in some very real way, Isaiah encounters the living God. And he experiences who God is, right? He sees him uh, seated up on this throne, right? He's high and exalted. He's seeing God as he truly is, right? Magnificent and powerful and glorious and beyond understanding. And I don't know what Isaiah's, you know, his understanding of God was before this, but something changed in this encounter. As he turns his eyes to the living God, he sees God as something maybe even more than he could have ever imagined. And, and this is underlined by these seraphim, these supernatural uh, beings that are surrounding God and worshiping and serving him and attending to him. Right? Maybe they're buzzing around the throne. We don't know, but they're crying out, holy, holy, holy. And in the, in the Hebrew language, uh, they didn't have superlatives like very good or very bad, right? And so in order to say something was very good, they would just say good, good, right? Or if something was very bad, they would just write bad, bad. Um, and so this text is the only time in the Hebrew Bible, the only time in the Hebrew Bible that this word or any word is raised the power of three. He's not just holy, holy. It doesn't, it doesn't do it. It's not enough, right? No, he is holy, holy, holy. He's so much more. He's so much more awesome and incredible than we can even grasp. The author of Hebrews says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And Isaiah encounters that. Right? And we, go, we might go, well, no, God is loving. Right? He's like the, the father standing on the hill waiting for the prodigal son. Right? And he welcomes the son home and, and embraces him. And I love that part of God. I have experienced that, and I run into those loving arms as often as I can. But we don't want to forget who God is. He's not just the, 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 the kind of the, the roly-poly teddy bear, kind of think Cameron, right? He's like a big burly guy, he's kind of ugly, right? I've never cuddled with him. One time I did ride a motorcycle with him, and I had to hold on. Quite <laughs> that, was, that was uncomfortable. Uh, but we didn't work. Um, I don't think he's watching. Uh, so, and, but, and so God is good, and he is love, and he welcomes us in, and he holds us tight, and we find our identity as the sons and daughters of, of the living God. But there's this other aspect of God this high and mighty and supreme and glorious and otherworldly set-apart God. And this is the, the God that, that Isaiah encounters. And I can just imagine as he encounters this glorious God, right, he just falls to his knees and recognizes who he is in comparison to the perfect one. Woe is me. Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. He recognizes 
that his own nature is broken and fallen, especially compared to the perfect. And I, and I don't actually know, we don't know how Isaiah thought of himself prior to this encounter. We know there's five chapters before this, and so maybe he's writing some stuff, maybe he's done some little prophetic works, you know, maybe he's studying uh, the, the Torah, and he's like, I'm pretty good. I'm a pretty big deal here, right? Like, I'm, God is lucky to have me on his team. I'm eloquent. I know the law, right? I'm, I'm faithful. I'm really something special, right? And then this something special guy encounters the holy, holy, holy one. Woe is me. Woe is me. I'm ruined. I think we, we need to encounter this God. We need to encounter this God that, that reveals, not just so we feel bad about ourselves, not so that we are ashamed, like, oh, I'm such a mess, I'm broken. Because those things are true. We are broken, right? We are sinful. But it's only when we approach God that we find the answer for that. Isaiah recognizes his brokenness and he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. I don't know if you remember in the book of James that we just finished you know, going through for the last six weeks. James said, if your tongue is perfect, right? If your tongue is pure, you are perfect. And that's a hard one to do, right? And so Isaiah recognizes, man, I'm just, I'm just, my, I don't know what to say. I'm just, I'm less than I need to be. How do I do this, right? And the angel goes, and the angel won't even touch the coal. He takes the tongs, right? And he pulls the coal out and he touches the, the coal to Isaiah's lips. And we can kind of go, oh, that's, probably, that's nice, getting purified, it's a good imagery. But that would hurt. <laughs> that would hurt a lot, right? And you're, you're, I can't even, I can't imagine. Uh, when, when my dad was little, you know, they had, used to have the, the cigarette lighters, and he would push that, and he, he thought it was like his mom's lipstick, and he pushed that in, it got hot, and then rubbed it across his lips. Apparently it hurt. <laughs> that, right? and, and so, like, that is the intensity, right, of this encounter. And we, when we encounter God, right, we want to have this kind of lovey-dovey, good feelings, and that's great, and that happens. But sometimes, God wants to put his finger on something that's broken. And that can be painful. Right? We come to, to the Lord and we say some very dangerous prayer like, God, search me and see if there is anything broken in me. And he's happy to answer that. <laughs> Trust me. I, I, I've, he's answered that very clearly to me many, many times. And to, but to go in there and go, and he'll point out selfishness or pride. Right? He'll point out sexual immorality. He'll point out divisiveness or, or, or whatever it is, and you recognize, oh God, I'm so sorry. I'm ruined. But it doesn't leave us there, right? He purifies us. And he takes us through this, this difficult thing to the other side where we are brought into alignment with him, where we are made holy, when we are found righteous, when we find ourselves in Jesus. So we don't want to shrink back from these uh, 
difficult encounters with the awesome God. We want to press into him so his purifying fire can do its work. Because we want to uh, bear witness of Jesus in our world. And we can't do that if we are full of sin and brokenness and grossness. We need the purifying fire of the gospel to do its work in us. That's what we can learn from Isaiah. And so he gets this burning coal on his lips, and he is kind of, there's this call. God says, who, will I send? who can I send? And Isaiah, he respond, how else do you respond in that moment? He's like, here am I, send me. And God's like, that's great, Isaiah. I'm going to send you out to, to be my voice to the southern kingdom of Judah and to Jerusalem and to these kings. And here's the thing, nobody's going to listen to you. Seriously, God? Nobody's going to listen to me? They're going to, they're going to, well, they'll hear you, but they're not going to understand you. As you speak, their hearts will actually harden. Well, God, that sounds like a terrible assignment. <laughs> like, what is, what is that all about? But Isaiah was willing to do it. He's like, all right, whatever you say, God, I am yours. Right? And this is what we as Christ followers are called to do, to proclaim the good news, to proclaim the gospel. Right? I don't have to convince people to bend their knee to Jesus, though we want that to happen. Our call is to declare the truth of the gospel, that Jesus is the king, that he is reigning, that he is coming back to set all things right again. And that when we bend our knee to him, we step into new life. We step into eternity. We find true joy, true happiness, true peace. So we want to, what we want to learn from Isaiah 6, I think, is that we want to press into these encounters. We need to press into these encounters. Right? And that's why I chose the, the songs I did this morning, because I wanted to sing, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, as many times as I could, because there's something about that. There's something just declaring that, that just draws you into the experience of who God is. And as we do that, we believe that God just transforms us. We have a part to play. We step into the presence of God and turn our attention to him. And then he does a work. He transforms us. He purifies us. And he calls us and commissions us and empowers us to do what he's called us to do. To bear witness of the gospel. Even if nobody listens. But a lot of people do listen. The church is growing all over the world, all the time, constantly. So uh, Isaiah is commissioned, he's called, he's purified, he's ready to go talk to, uh, to, to, to King Ahaz at this time. And so the next scene in chapter 7 uh, is King Ahaz. And if uh, you know my, uh, the, the biblical stories of the kings, there's like good kings and there's bad kings. And there's good kings and there's bad kings. And it kind of works its way through the, the whole monarchy. And Ahaz is a bad king. He's not doing well. His, his first situation at ascending the throne is that there is this new empire, the Assyrian Empire, that is sweeping through the Fertile Crescent down into Palestine here, including Syria and nor uh, the northern kingdom of, 
Israel and Ammon and, and Aram, and there's just these different little little nations down there. In the Assyrian Empire, under King Tinglith Pileser III, it is swooping down. And this is bad news for a little place like Judah. Judah, very small. And, uh, and so they're, he's trying to figure out, what do I do? And these other kingdoms of uh, the northern kingdom of Israel, called Israel, uh, and their king, and the, the king of, of Syria out of Damascus, they are uniting. And they got, let's pull together. Right? Because that's the only hope we have, is that if these little nations, if we kind of lock arms, maybe we can push off the, this uh, onslaught of Assyria. And so they go to, to uh, Ahaz and go, hey, would you join us? And we're going to fight against Babylon, or Assyria. And I imagine... I'm talking very fast, I'm sorry. And I imagine that uh, Ahaz is like, man, I'm not sure, even if we kind of pull it together, we're going to be able to deal with Tiglath-Pileser III. He's got a lot of power on his side. And so apparently he kind of tells these guys, like, I'm not, not too comfortable kind of joining your, your coalition. I'm just going to do my own thing. Thanks so much for the offer. And then... Syria and Israel are like, forget it. We're just going to come in there and we're going to take over. We'll put our own guy in charge. And then our three nations will band together and we'll fend off uh, Babylon, right? which is ridiculous. Right? This is Babylon and this is kind of them. Right? They're very small, very little choice, little chance. And, and, and so these two nations are coming against Ahaz and he's freaked out. And the whole nation's freaked out. And so the Lord sends Isaiah. This is chapter seven, uh, chapter 7, verse 3. The Lord says to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son Shear Jeshu, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool. I've never met a Shear Jeshu before, but I really like it. So, anybody pregnant here? That's an idea. Shear Jeshu Mark. <laughs> okay, uh, so go out with your son Shear Jashub to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field and say to him, be careful, keep calm and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. All right, so he's comparing Israel and Syria. Like, what are they? They're nothing. They're about to burn out. Don't worry about these guys. Because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the son of Remaliah, Aram, Ephraim, and Remaliah's son have plotted your ruin. So these are the, the leaders of Israel and Syria. Uh, they are, have plotted your ruin, saying, Let us invade Judah, let us tear it apart, divide it among ourselves, and make the son of Tabeel king over it. Right? And so this is the plot. We're going to invade, we're going to take over, we're going to put the son of Tabeel uh, on the throne. Isaiah says, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus. And the head of Damascus is only resin. He's a terrible king. He's nothing. Don't worry about this guy. Right? Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. Right? And this is the northern tribe. Uh, or the northern kingdom, they're going to be gone. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Remaliah's son. 
And Isaiah says this to Ahaz. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. So Isaiah tells Ahaz, don't trust in these foreign nations. Don't trust in these, these other things, these allies that you think are going to save you. Trust in God. Trust in God. We've got promises that God promised David as long as the, the kings are faithful, they will sit on the, on the throne of Jerusalem. So stay faithful. Do what God says. And then, to kind of raise it up a notch, Isaiah, and this has never happened in the history of, of Israel, Isaiah says, ask for a sign. You get to ask for a sign that this prophecy is true. Ahaz, we want you to obey God. And, and because of that, whatever you do, just pick a sign so that you know it's really God. But Ahaz refuses, saying, oh, <laughs> I'm not going to test God. That's crazy. You know, I don't do that. Don't, uh, you're not going to catch me like that, Isaiah. Right? And so he refuses. I think he hides behind this false piety. And I think he does that because he's already decided what he's going to do. In his heart, he knows he's already going to align with Assyria. Even though he's, he knows that that means he's just going to become the vassal of this huge empire. He's just going to become basically a puppet king. So I can imagine Isaiah there in the court of King Ahaz, and there's, there's people around, and, and he's like, can't believe it. Are you, you're, God is saying, ask for a sign, and you're saying, no. He's like, well, God is going to give you a sign whether you like it or not. And he says this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And we'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And we know that this was ultimately fulfilled in, in Jesus Christ, the ultimate Emmanuel that, that, that saved all of the world as we bow our knee to him. But in, in this context, right, this word translated virgin can also be translated like young woman, young girl. So, so there's, maybe there's this young woman in, in Ahaz's court, and maybe Isaiah even points to her. We don't know, right? The, the virgin, the young woman is going to conceive and give birth to a son, and we'll call him Emmanuel. He's going to be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. And eating curds and honey may sound nice, but it's kind of this prophetic imagery of, like, your land is going to be devastated. The vineyards are gone. The fields of wheat are gone. It's all, you're going to try to find some mountain goats that, that you can milk and maybe find some, some honey that you can eat because that's all there is. That's what's going to happen to your land. And so Emmanuel is going to be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. 
right? These kings that you're so worried about, even though you don't put your trust in, in God, God's going to deal with them anyway. And the Lord will bring on you and your people and on the house of your father a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah. So this is the, the tearing apart of the united kingdom of David, the, 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 uh, the division of the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Like that was a terrible time. This, what's going to happen now to you, Ahaz, and to you, Judah, is going to rival the horrendousness of that division. And he's going to bring the king of Assyria. Right? And so, what does this mean? Ahaz, if you don't trust in the Lord, right, you are not going to stand. In, in chapter 7, verse 20, uh, Isaiah goes on to say, God is going to use Assyria to shave your head and your private parts and to cut off your beard also. So I'm not too worried about getting my head shaved, that's fine. Um, the, the second part, the less, less, pop, less exciting, um, and I feel like I can deal with the beard situation, right? But in, in, in Israel, this was just a picture of humiliation. You're going to be utterly humiliated. You know, Ahaz, maybe your crazy alliance with Assyria is going to save your life, but you are going to be a laughingstock. Is that what you want? But Ahaz did align with Assyria. Didn't listen to Isaiah. Didn't listen to the word of the Lord. And exactly what Isaiah said was going to happen, happened. He didn't stand in his faith. For the rest of his life, he bent his knee to Tiglath Pileser III. And the, the monarchy actually survived in Judah for about a hundred more years, but they were always under the thumb of either Assyria or then when Babylon took over under Babylon until Babylon came in, crushed Judah, and exiled them. And now it's all over. No temple, no Jerusalem, no kingdom, nothing. And so we have this interesting juxtaposition between Isaiah and Ahaz. Isaiah stood firmly on the word of God. You know, he has this encounter with God. And I don't think, maybe he never had this dramatic of an encounter again. We don't know, right? But he knew God. He continued to, to find himself in God, to, to be filled up to, to be ground in him so that he could continue this really tough mission of declaring the word of God and having everybody talk to, not listen to him, and harden their hearts. But we see Isaiah, the, the faithful one, standing firm in his faith. And we see Ahaz not willing to trust in something that he can't see. And from our, our perspective, we might go, that's crazy. Ahaz, what are you thinking? 
I've read the story up to here, right? God is the creator of the world. He is the the high and exalted one. Do you remember when your nation were slaves in in Egypt and God came to to protect you and get you out of there? He parted the Red Sea. He sent manna. He uh, empowered you to take the the promised land that was full of giants and, and fortified cities, right? God is powerful. God is with you. You should really, really trust in him. But this same situation is one of the biggest tensions in the Christian life as well. Will we trust in God's promises? Will we trust in God in spite of the earthly circumstances standing in front of us? We spent the last six weeks talking about James and talked about two paths. Right? And we need to follow the way of Jesus. Follow the way of Jesus. That is the way of life. That is the way of peace and, and joy. That is the way of eternal life. If you, if you stay on that path, you are going to, you're going to encounter God. You're going to encounter that which you most long for. Peace and joy and salvation and hope. And he said that you know, somebody that is double-minded kind of jumps back uh, from both these paths, Right? On Sundays or whatever, we're following Jesus and we're worshiping real good. But uh, at work, work, it's a different set of rules. I think Ahaz would have been double-minded, right? And he's worshiping God. He has there's the temple. He's got priests. He knows how that works. But when when something real hits, it's I don't want to. I don't know what I was going to say. When something real encounters him, or he encounters something real, it's like, man, I don't see how faith is going to help me here. Right? He's so quick to, well, I'll just kind of do the worldly thing. I'll align with some other stronger people so that we can overcome. And then I'm going to jump right back. Jumping right back. It's going to be fine. But, but, but James says, if you're, you're double-minded, if you do that, you're unstable in everything you do. We need to stay the course. We need to stand firm in our faith, or we will not stand at all. And so I want to make this, try to make this as practical as possible. Because this, you know, Isaiah and Ahaz, these are big nations. We're probably never going to get the the ear of a president or a, a king, right? We don't have that sphere of influence. Uh, some people do, and that's great. Probably us not, um, but go for it. Uh, and so how does this apply to us? How does this apply to, to me? And it's just as simple as recognizing that we are continually at this crossroads. Are we going to follow the way of Jesus? Or are we going to follow the way of the world? Are we going to stand firm in our faith? Or are we going to bend our knee to another power? Could look like we get in a, a tough situation at work. We get we get caught maybe doing something that we shouldn't have, and we just think, "Why well, can just lie my way out of this?" And nobody's ever going to know. Right? But when we align ourselves with this alternative kingdom, and we, we 
practice the ways of the world to get out of these situations. We're just funneling sin and destruction and division into our lives and into our sphere of influence. Right? That is not kingdom. Maybe we get home from work and we had a really stressful day and it's like, I just need to relax a little bit. And it's like, you know what? No, it would really help. Just a little porn is really going to kind of soothe this situation. Right? That's gross. Right? And so what, what we want to do, yeah, we have stress. Yes, we need to, to, to let go of our stress. But there's good ways to do it and there's not good ways to do it. But sometimes the good ways, the godly ways, don't feel as immediately satisfying. And so we step off the path for a minute and go, we'll just jump back. Maybe we're fearful of what the future holds, right? And so we hoard our wealth instead of living generously as God has called us to. Right? But generosity is the way of the kingdom. And as we are generous, God is generous back to us. But it doesn't feel like that in the moment. It's scary. And a hoard. Or maybe we feel insecure, and so we act out with bravado and, and violence, right? Maybe with, with words or, or physically, right? To kind of prove, look how valuable I am, look how impressive I am. Instead of going the way of Jesus, which is like, I just need to know how you see me. Which takes a little bit longer, it takes a little bit more work. But that is where the real life is. And so what I want to end with today is just ask. We'll ask you to ask the Lord. And what circumstance are you facing today that scares you? What circumstance in, in, your, in your personal life or in your family or in our, 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 our community right, is, is, in, is facing you? And the temptation is to kind of take this other way that seems like it's going to work, even though it might not be fully what God wants. But we promise I'm going to jump right back onto that path. I want to encourage you in the face of whatever's happening, whatever is going on, to trust in God. promises to see you through. He promises to be faithful. Nothing else is going to meet our needs. Only Jesus. So Father, we just ask that you would show us areas of our heart, Lord, where we're not fully trusting Lord, we know this is, is all of us sometimes. It's, we, we know the, the way that we should go, but man, it just sometimes seems that a little turn to the left is a little bit easier. Lord, we repent of that. Lord, we ask that you would help us to be like Isaiah, who in the face of difficulty, in the face of of people just not believing him and, and opposing him was willing to stand firm to trust you 
Lord, we thank you that you have sent your son, Jesus. That even as we, though we're, we're broken and, and we sin and we sometimes stumble and we take this, this uh, path that isn't of you, Lord, but when we, we repent because of Jesus, we're forgiven and we are brought back into right relationship with you. We are, we are justified again. Lord, transform us. Purify us. Let us be quick to forgive, quick to repent. Let us be bright lights of your glory in our world. And let us continually find ourselves in your, in your presence, looking at the holy, holy, holy one. transform us and empower us and encourage us to run after what you've called us to run after. Jesus, we love you. Amen. All right, well, guys, thank you. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, so good to, to worship the, the Lord together. And on my right, there is the, the prayer team. They would love to pray with you uh, if you have any needs uh, whatsoever. And on my left is the prophetic team. Uh, if you want to receive a, a word of encouragement, a word from the Lord, I uh, encourage you to take advantage of that ministry. And with that, you are dismissed. Next week, Pastor Bill from Nichols is going to be here sharing about Daniel, so that's going to be a great one. And there's coffee and donuts in the family room. Bless you. Have a great Sunday. <laughs>